Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, remember to call 646-727-3070-646-727. 3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pget. Send messages to the show on Twitter at go for it can. And while you're there, you can follow at go for it can. G O F O R I T G A N T. Facebook, go for it can. Instagram, go for it, Ken. I just jumped on Instagram. I'm learning it. Don't like it, but I'm learning it. And, you know, so this is where we talk sports and have fun doing it. Also, 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 also go to the website, go for it, com. That's go for it, sports. Dot com, G-O-F-O-R-I-T, G-A-N-T, sports.com. Great show lined up for you today. We can talk a lot of different things. We've got to get to a lot of different things. Got to get to that Texans-Bengals game from last night. Got to get Adrian Peterson and his situation, of course, from uh, Monday night. You know, we got to get to a bunch of different things. Uh, we got to also talk about the NFL and go around the NFL. You know, we got to talk a little Jamel Hill. We also got to talk a little Canelo, Triple G. Got to get that in there. We also got to talk about ESPN and their list. You know, the, the, the 100 best players in the NBA. We got to talk about that list because there's something wrong with that list. But we're going to talk about that as well. Let's get to last night. Let's talk about last night. What we saw, Texans, Bengals. You know, you have a situation right now with the Cincinnati Bengals where they can't score no points. They just can't score no points. I mean, you got and you had two home games and you couldn't muster up a touchdown. You couldn't muster up a touchdown. First, you lose 20 to nothing to Baltimore. And a few days later, you lose 13 to 9 to a team that had a rookie quarterback starting for the first time in Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson really didn't make a lot of plays with his arm, but he just made one beautiful, brilliant, amazing play with a 49 yard touchdown with 
his legs. But you couldn't score. You couldn't score with having an A.J. Green as your, you know, big-time wide out, one of the best wide receivers in football. You couldn't score with a Joe Mixon who's proven at this point to have some decent ability, and Giovanni Bernard as well. There are some decent weapons on the offensive side uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Offensive line is a little lackluster, little lackluster. But you look at it, uh, uh, Andy Dalton, you know, man, we have to start having some questions about him. You know, a, a guy who has found a way to get to the playoffs, but a guy who hasn't found a way to win a playoff game. And I think also you got to talk about Marvin Lewis. It's got to be talked about in terms of job security for Marvin Lewis. You know, year in and year out, you know, he's getting to the playoffs. Didn't get there last year, but he's getting there consistently. But he can't get over the top. He can't get over the top. And there's reasons, you know, Carson Palmer was injured that one time. You know, Andy Dalton was injured as well. And then, you know, also you had the meltdown with that defense. You know, Pac-Man Jones, Vontez Burfitt against the Steelers a couple of years back. So you had some meltdowns in that particular situation. And the Bengals, the first team since 1939 to go to, to, to have two home games to start the season and not register a touchdown. Not register a touchdown. And you know, when those type of things happen, Changes are usually made within the coaching staff, and the Bengals made a change today. Ken Zampezi gone as the offensive coordinator. Bill Lazor in, who was the quarterback's coach for the Bengals. He's in as offensive coordinator for this football team. Maybe it'll make a difference. Maybe it won't. But if you can't block anybody up front, you're going to have a difficult time winning in the National Football League you got to be able to protect your quarterback. And if you're not protecting your quarterback the way they are in Cincinnati, they're not doing it. They're not protecting their quarterback. you got to protect your quarterback. And Andy Dalton, he was awful week one against the, the Ravens. Four interceptions. Inexcusable. Unacceptable. But he was sacked five times in that game. You can't. You got to have your quarterback upright. You got to give him an opportunity. And when your quarterback is sacked five times, you're not giving him the opportunity to be successful. But again, four interceptions is four interceptions. And a guy, uh, you know, of Andy Dalton's caliber, I'm not saying this is a superstar quarterback, but I'm saying he's a solid, decent quarterback. I think he's in the upper half in terms of quarterback play. And then last night he was sacked three times against the Texans. So you can't have that and expect to have the level of success that you want to have. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. It's impossible for it to happen. But the Bengals, they got to get better. This season continues down this path. And it very well could continue down this path. If it continues down this path, and if they continue down this path, the reality of the situation is simple. It's simple.
simple. Marvin Lewis is gone. Andy Dalton might be gone. A.J. McCarron might be your quarterback moving forward. There's going to be changes in Cincinnati if this doesn't get any better. It's got to get better. Otherwise, Marvin Lewis is gone. Otherwise, Andy Dalton is gone. It's got to get better. And, man, you're going into Green Bay next week. I mean, you're not going into Jacksonville. You're not going into Indy without Andrew Luck. You're not going into Cleveland. You're going into Aaron Rodgers' territory, Lambeau, next week against the Packers. And you're facing now, Owen 3 is staring you right dead in the face. Right dead in the face. Owen 3. Easily could be Owen 3. And just looking at their schedule, I mean, you easily could be Owen 3. But you have an opportunity, if you could turn things around, to run off two victories against the Browns at Cleveland, and then you got Buffalo at home, which is winnable, and then you go at the Steelers. But just looking at their schedule, winnable games here. So it's, it's not over. But that game last night is one of those games that you have to have. You have to beat the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson as your starting quarterback on the other side, you have to beat the Houston Texans when you have a rookie quarterback making his first career start. You have to do it. You have to do it. That's inexcusable. That's unacceptable. That can't be tolerated. You have to win that football game. If you don't win that football game, it's very difficult to win in the National Football League. It's very difficult. It's not easy. And so when you have a game that's in front of you, when you have a game where you have an opportunity to win and you don't do it, that's tough to overcome. That's tough to overcome. And that's one of those things where you look back on your season and you say, man, if I would have got that game right here, I might be in the playoffs. Or, man, if I would have got that game right here, I may have gotten a bye and had home field advantage. Uh, so it, it's just you got to look at the situation and say to yourself, you can't lose that game. You can't. Kudos to the Texans. Kudos to Deshaun Watson. Again, he was solid, wasn't great, but it was his first career start. And a guy with his ability to run the, the football, excuse me, you know he's going to do some things with his legs. And he did some things with his legs. He did that one thing. It was just one thing. And he had, all he did was that one thing essentially with his legs. Hey, and it was the touchdown that they needed. It was the touchdown that helped win the game. And then kudos to that defense, obviously, J.J. Watt and, and those guys clowning on the other side with Houston. Uh, Houston. I mean, give credit to that defense. But that Cincinnati offense is struggling mightily. That Cincinnati offense is struggling big time, and it could cost a couple guys their jobs. But, again, you look at Cincinnati's schedule. We'll look at it real quick. 
We'll go through real, real quick. Um, you got, uh, like I said, the Packers next week. That's a tall order. It's looking like going three for the Bengals. But then you got at the Browns and then Buffalo at home. Maybe you can get those two at the Steelers, which is going to be tough. You probably lose that. Then you're two and four. This is all hypothetical. You know, the Colts in your building, that's three and four. You go at Jacksonville, winnable. Maybe you can get that. At Tennessee, winnable. Maybe you get that. And then you go at the Broncos. We don't know what the Broncos are at this point. So it's an opportunity. It's a chance. Just go through the schedule. Steelers again, obviously. Browns again, obviously. Got the Bears at Minnesota. Lions, and then they finish off the Ravens. The schedule is not daunting. It's not daunting. It's not over the top, and it's not a schedule where you say, you know what, they're done. It's not that type of schedule. But it's very difficult, very difficult to overcome what is going on there. And so we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Cincinnati Bengals can overcome it and get back to where they want to be. We'll see. Let's go on now. Adrian Peterson. And I look at Adrian Peterson first off. He's a Hall of Famer at this point. When it's all said and done, Adrian Peterson is going to be in the Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And just looking at his numbers, over 11,000 yards rushing, close to 12,000. 97, 97 touchdowns, excuse me. That's probably going to be 100-plus when he's all said and done. I mean, so the, the guy is a Hall of Famer. It, it, it's just he's a Hall of Famer. Let, let's just put that out there right now. He's a Hall of Famer. But, you know, he, he came out and said, you know what? He's a little disappointed in, in, in his workload. He, he's a little disappointed in the amount of touches he's getting. He said, hey. I didn't sign up for nine snaps. And he probably didn't. He most definitely didn't sign with the New Orleans Saints to get six carries. He didn't sign up for that. He didn't. But here's also the thing. Here's also the thing. I look at the situation in New Orleans, and you got an Alvin Kamara, who got seven carries, Mark Ingram, who got six carries, and then Adrian Peterson, who got six carries. Now, a guy like Adrian Peterson, if you look at the history of Adrian Peterson, if you look at Adrian Peterson over the years, you look at his numbers and look at the amount of rushing attempts He's averaged per game. First of all, his career average carry per game is at 19.5. So this guy is used to getting darn near 20 carries a game. That's what he used. That's what he's used to getting. And he's one of those backs that gets stronger and stronger as you feed him the rock. And so. Also, you know, I'm looking at it from Adrian Peterson's perspective. We also got to look at it from Mark Ingram's perspective. 
I mean, Mark Ingram is a guy that was a thousand yard back last year who averaged 5.1 carries, excuse me, 5.1 yards per carry. So he was a thousand yard back, five yards to carry, six touchdowns. So he had, you know, a, a solid season in 2016. He had a solid season last year. And, and so, obviously, a guy like Mark Ingram, he's like, look, he's probably saying, I want some touches too. I mean, I, I need more than six carries myself. I, I need more than that. Just like Adrian Peterson, you know, Ingram didn't come out and say it, but again, just like Adrian Peterson, he needs carries too. Mark Ingram needs his touches. And so he's a guy that's probably saying to himself, like, man, he didn't sign up for this either. Ingram was a guy who averaged 12 carries a, a, a game last year. Averaged 12 carries a game. So this dude is used to getting it. He averaged 12.8, so he's used to getting it darn near 13 times per game. So you you got a you got a difficult situation here, and, and a situation that I'm not sure can work. I, I'm not sure it can work. I, I, at some point, you have to say to yourself, what guy is going to get the bulk of the carries, and then what guy is going to be the guy that comes in to give him a blow. To a change-up, if you will. And it seems like, to me, Ingram and Peterson, you know, similar type of backs on some level. Obviously, Ingram doesn't have the explosion of an Adrian Peterson, not the home run hitter that Adrian Peterson is. Because you look at a guy like Adrian Peterson, and, and you look at some of his runs, I mean, this dude has run, touchdown runs of, you know, 80 and and 82, and, you know, 73, and you're seeing those type of things, and 67 over the years. This is over the years, obviously. And you're like, okay, this is a guy who has home run hitting ability. So I don't think Mark Ingram is better than Adrian Peterson at this point, but Mark Ingram doesn't stink. He's no scrub. And obviously, Adrian Peterson doesn't stink. He's no scrub. So they got to figure this out. And it's up to Sean Payton to figure this out. It, it, it's up to the rest of the Saints organization to figure this out. What direction do you want to go in? Are you, are you going to continue at this, you know, with this process and, and, and you want to continue with this situation where you have guys, you know, getting six, six, and, and, and seven? Or do you want a situation where, you know, you, you decide, you know, Adrian Peterson, you're going to get the bulk of the carries, you're going to carry the load, and you're going to do your thing, hopefully. I mean, is that where you go? It, 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 it's, a, it's a tough proposition. But I'm like, okay, if, first of all, and, and obviously it didn't seem like there was a big market.
for Adrian Peterson. But first of all, if you're Adrian Peterson, you're on the outside looking in before you even step into that New Orleans situation. And again, we don't know what Sean Payton told him. Maybe Sean Payton told him, like, hey, man, you're going to be the workhorse here. We're, we're going to turn to you to do some things. You're going to be our guy. You're going to get 10, 15-plus touches in our offense. You're going to get those opportunities in our offense. I don't know what was told to Adrian Peterson. But just on the surface, it didn't make much sense for Adrian Peterson to sign with the New Orleans Saints. It, it just didn't make sense with the Mark Ingram in the fold. It, it doesn't, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. And so, and then, it, you know, they draft the rookie Kamara, another guy who's got to get some touches as well. I mean, Kamara got the most touches last week. We're 11. He, tied with, he was tied with Mark Ingram for 11 touches in terms of running backs. So, you know, they, they got to figure this out. They got to figure this out. Or this could be a tough situation, and it could be a situation where Sean Payton is like, you know, maybe we can move Adrian Peterson, or maybe we just release him and, and just give him an opportunity to go elsewhere. I mean, maybe that's the move for the New Orleans Saints. But it, it's just Adrian Peterson didn't come to New Orleans to get, you know, nine snaps. He, he didn't come there to do that. But at the same time, what did he expect? Being there's a Mark Ingram in the building, what did he expect? What did he expect? What was he told? Who knows? But I, I, I do know this. I do know this. They're going to have to fix this. They're going to have to figure this one out. But this could be a situation now where, you know, it's going to end in divorce on some level. And, you know, how it ends, you know, whether divorce, well, how it ends in terms of releasing, whether trading, it's got to end if Peterson's not going to get his touches. It, it, it's got to end. It, it doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. Let's go on. But we'll see what happens moving forward. And, and you look at that Saints offense, and, man, you, you expected a more dynamic offense. You really did. I mean, obviously, you got Drew Brees throwing that thing around. And we all know what Drew Brees is about. And we all know what Drew Brees has done. We all know typically he's a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to be that guy. But you, you look at the offense and you wonder, and they were talking about on Monday night, you know, you give up a Brandon Cooks, you know, who's who had a big-time year for you. I mean, he had a huge year. He's gone. You know, that, and and – he was a weapon. He most definitely was a weapon for Drew Brees and the Saints. But he's gone. And you give that up. A, a, 
a guy with that type of playmaking ability, a guy that helps your offense, and you give that up. Wow. And maybe they're regretting giving that man up. We'll see. But anyway, if you look around the National Football League last Sunday, and obviously it's great to have football back. I mean, football is king in America. It's just the way it is. And and it's great to have it back, and it's must-see TV, must-see watching. It's great. And so you look at week one in the National Football League, and you're saying to yourself, okay, Carson Palmer struggled in Arizona. You look around, Philadelphia got a victory in Washington, Carson Wentz. Over 300 yards, two touchdowns, made some plays in that game. And the Eagles going to Washington to get the victory. Kirk Cousins had some struggles, you know, had a red zone pick, which is never good. You know, fumbled the ball a couple times, which is never good. And that second fumble obviously was the one that was taken to the house by Fletcher Cox, which salted away the game. You got the Rams, who just beat down the Indianapolis Colts without Andrew Luck. Obviously, Scott Tolzien stinks, you know, and you, you got a guy now in Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, who is expected to get the start for the Colts against the Cardinals this weekend. Before I go any further, I, I, I got to, you know, I, before I go any further, and, and it just came to my head after talking about the Rams and the Colts. And talking about the quarterback situation in Indy, Colin Kaepernick. And, and again, I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick is, is, is an all-world quarterback. I'm not saying that at all. And in terms of, you know, I, I'm looking at the Colts and Scott Tolzien and Percet. I'm like, man, you know, especially with the uncertainty with Andrew Luck, you couldn't have used a Colin Kaepernick in Indy? Come on. Again, I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick is the greatest quarterback in football. But what I am saying about Colin Kaepernick, he's better than a lot of guys I see out here. Well, no doubt. I mean, you mean to tell me um, the New York Jets, Josh McCown, is is – is your starter, and you didn't go after a 29-year-old quarterback who went to a Super Bowl, who put up solid numbers last year, not saying he was great, but his numbers were solid. You mean to tell me a 29-year-old quarterback? Now, maybe the Jets the, the Jets could be on a situation where they're, you know, they're tanking. They're stanking and tanking, and, and that might be the situation in New York. They might be stanking and tanking. And if you're stanking and tanking, then I get it. But Josh McCown, 38-year-old Josh McCown, you're not trying to win. You're just not. Josh McCown is your starting quarterback, Uh, a a guy who – Josh McCown. We're, We're talking about Josh McCown. What are we talking about? Josh McCown, not Tom Brady, not Peyton Manning, not Aaron Rodgers, 
We're talking about Josh McCown. Josh McCown. A, a, a guy whose career high was 13 touchdowns back in 2013 when uh, I believe that was your um, he was in Chicago. Jay Cutler went down and he had a nice run there for the Bears. But I mean, and then Tampa Bay brought him in, gave him an opportunity, 11 touchdowns, 14 picks. Last uh, 2015, he wasn't bad in Cleveland, 12 touchdowns, uh, four interceptions in eight games. And then last year in Cleveland, you know, beat up a little bit. But uh, Josh McCown, Josh McCown, like, you know, uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick is the type of guy that, that a team would take a chance on, a guy with his pedigree, uh, a guy who's won a Super Bowl, and, and, and don't give me this kneeling stuff. Because the guy said, you know what, I'm not going to be at this, I'm not going to kneel this year. I'm done with it. I'm moving forward. You know, I, stop, stop. It, it sounds silly. And again, I, I, I get it from an ownership standpoint. You don't want that distraction. You don't want that situation where you have your fan base who, you know, is, you know, an NFL season ticket holder, season ticket holders in general are predominantly white. And, you know, if a lot of your, and, you know, we look at statistics, we look at polls, you even go on social media, and you can tell if this thing is on some level is on color. It, you know, you could put a line right down the line, right down the white and black, and you know who's for Ka- Kaepernick and who's against Kaepernick. And more often than not, the white side of things were against Kaepernick, and the black side of things tend to be for Kaepernick. Now, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is a business, and. This is a money-making business. And when you're in a business or in the business to make money, you don't want nothing messing with your bottom line. Now, if you got, you know, there was a situation in Baltimore, you know, the Ravens were, were thinking about and, and, you know, they were, you know, talking to their fan base and, you know, polling their fan base, so on, talking to Ray Lewis, so on and so forth. You know, Ray Lewis says, you know what? The Ravens decided against it after Kaepernick's girlfriend Nessa tweeted out some things of Ray Lewis and Bashadi, Steve Bashadi, the owner of the Ravens, and you know Django Unchained. You know she tweeted out a picture uh, of that whole situation. You know essentially calling uh, uh, Ray Lewis and Uncle Tom on some level, and, and Ray Lewis came out and said, "You know what? That's one of the reasons the Ravens didn't sign him. That was the reason that tweet." Not like Kaepernick wrote the tweet. Girlfriend did it. Probably shouldn't have wrote that tweet. You know, he, she probably shouldn't have wrote that tweet. Especially if she wants her man to get a job. Especially if she wants her man to get a gig. You know, you, you, you probably shouldn't have wrote it. But she wrote it. It happened. It's out there. It is what it is. But just strictly, purely on ability, and it's not like Kaepernick beat some girl's tail. It's not like he did that. He, he didn't hit on any type, any women. Uh, you know, he, he didn't do that. He, he, you know, it was no drugs. You know, he's not getting high. He's not doing that. He don't got no DUI. He's not doing that. You know, he's, he's not doing anything illegal. He's not. He hasn't. 
And you're saying this guy can't get a job because he's sat during the national anthem, which is a money grab on some level by the National Football League because the military is paying the National Football League for the players to stand out there and to be a part of, you know, the, the, the opening game festivities. So it's, you just, it, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. And it's just manufactured patriotism. It's just patriotism, you know, on extra, or, you know, plus 100 times 100. Stop it. Stop it. Happen. It, it's it's just it, every time the weeks go by, it just and, and and after every game that you watch, it just looks more and more ridiculous that the Jets didn't reach out to Colin Kaepernick again. Maybe they're sucking for to to get the number one pick, stinking and tanking. It, it just doesn't make sense. Mike Lennon got a job before Colin Kaepernick. Think about it. Take a second. Matter of fact, take two. You know, uh, you look at, and Blake Bortles got the victory in week one for the Jaguars, but he wasn't special. 11 for 21, 125 yards and a touchdown. He wasn't special. So you mean to tell me Jacksonville couldn't or wouldn't think about a Kaepernick? I mean, I just named three teams that you could that 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 it doesn't make sense that Kaepernick is not on either the Colts until Andrew Luck gets right, and we don't know what that's going to when that's going to be. The Jets, you know, obviously Christian Hackenberg, he ain't ready. Bryce Petty, he ain't ready. And Josh McCown's 38 years old. You got an opportunity for a 29-year-old quarterback who might be able to turn things around, who's already been to a Super Bowl and might turn things around and could turn back to that form that Super Bowl went, you know, the Super Bowl, you know, when he got to the Super Bowl, he might be able to turn back to that form when he got to the Super Bowl or the form where he got to the NFC Championship game. You have an opportunity at that guy, you don't get him? Doesn't make sense. He's 29 years old. Come on. Doesn't make sense. Again, I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying he's Brady. Not saying he's Rogers, not saying he's Breeze. I'm not saying he stinks either. And I'm not saying he doesn't belong to the National Football League because we know he does. And we know why he's not. Pretty simple. But anyway, Kansas City Chiefs, they go into New England and Alex Smith did some things that I haven't seen Alex Smith do. That's matriculate the ball down the field. That, that's going the ball along and, you know, making plays, you know. When, and, and here's the thing. He's got some weapons, man. I mean, you know, obviously we saw the running back, you know, Kareem Hunt, who, who balled out, played well. What, 148 yards rushing, then another 98 through the air. So, what, 246 total yards. I mean, he's a playmaker. Tyreek Hill, he's a playmaker. He's a big-time playmaker. Obviously, you got Travis Kelsey, who's a playmaker at tight end. So you got playmakers. 
And here's the thing about Alex Smith. He doesn't stink. He doesn't stink. And here's the funny part. Here's the funny part. You, you look at it back in San Francisco when the 49ers decided to, you know, we're going to Kaepernick. We're moving on from Alex Smith. At the time, you're like, okay, that is the right move. You know, you look at Kaepernick's upside. You you, you must. You, you look at Kaepernick's, you know, he got them to the Super Bowl, got them to the NFC Championship game, and you're like, okay, that's a good move. But after all that, after all that, Alex Smith, man, he, he, he's gotten this team to the playoffs. You know, while he hasn't got them to a Super Bowl, Alex Smith has played some good football. And Alex Smith, you, you could do a lot worse than Alex Smith. This is a fine quarterback here. I'm not saying he's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. I'm not saying he even he's even a franchise caliber quarterback. But what I'm saying is you could do a lot worse than Alex Smith. And if you look at the numbers, Look at the numbers of Alex Smith. You know, when he stepped on the Kansas City, 2013, 23 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. I think most teams would take a quarterback with those type of numbers. 2014, 18 touchdowns, only six interceptions. Again, I think a lot of teams would take those numbers. 2015, 20 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. Again, I think a lot of teams would take those numbers, and then last year, 15 touchdowns and eight interceptions. While not eye-popping, I think there's a lot of teams who would take those numbers. So this guy has, has proven that, first and foremost, he doesn't turn the football over. He protects the football, which is important. So he's not going to hurt you. This guy has proven. You know, his time in the playoffs where he went to the NFC Championship game there with the 49ers, and he got them. They were close. They were a couple fumbles away. I forgot who that returner was for the 49ers who put the ball on the turf a couple times and cost them that football game. But if he didn't do that, the 49ers probably would have went to the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. And then Kansas City, he goes to Kansas City, and what was that, 2015, where the Colts made that amazing comeback, and, you know, Chiefs were up a whole bunch of points, and, and the Colts came on back, I think that was 2013, where, where, you know, that happened. But again, he's solid. He's been to the playoffs. You know, he's been in uh, with Kansas City for the past five years, and they've been in the playoffs for three of those years, actually, and I'm counting 2017. So if you look at if you look at the past four years, he's been in the playoffs three of those four years. So he's found a way to get his team to the playoffs. He's found a way to win and play winning football. And he's also found a way to protect the football. He doesn't turn the football over. So Alex Smith does not hurt you. Alex Smith does not hurt you. He may not be Brady. He may not be Manning. And he may not be throwing the ball down the field all the time. But he wins and plays winning football, and that's important. 
and he gets it done. And, you know, obviously, if he looks over his shoulder, he sees Pat Mahomes right behind him. And so for Alex Smith, this could be it for him. This could be it for him in Kansas City, and it could be a situation where Kansas City says, you know what? While you're a silent quarterback, Alex, while you're 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 a decent quarterback, Alex, while you're all those things, we got a guy waiting in the wings who looks impressive. We got a guy in the wings waiting in the wings who who looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. So we'll see where that goes. And Alex Smith, you know, he, he knows the window is closing in Kansas City because he knows the game of football, and he knows teams just don't draft guys that high and just sit them on the bench. They might sit them on the bench for a year, but they ain't going to sit them on the bench forever. It happened in San Diego. Breeze and Rivers, you know, and, and here's the thing. San Diego had success. Now the Los Angeles Chargers. But at the time, they were San Diego, and they had success with Rivers. But Breeze may have had more success because ultimately, Breeze won a Super Bowl in New Orleans. He won a Super Bowl in New Orleans. Again, I think if you're San Diego, while, you know, I don't think they're, they're, they're upset or angry with the route that they chose. But I will say this. I will say this. Hey, who knows? Maybe Drew Brees, if he stays in San Diego, doesn't win a Super Bowl. Who knows? Who, who knows? But And I think at the end of the day, if you're San Diego, you're saying to yourself, you know what? I, I'm okay with the way this turned out. We didn't win a Super Bowl with Rivers, but we may not have won a Super Bowl with uh, Brees either. So, And ultimately, we know what Brees did, but Rivers, you, you can make an argument, could be a Hall of Fame quarterback when his thing is all said and done. So it, it could go a lot of different ways, most definitely. But anyway, just looking around the National Football League after week one, and, you know, just the Cowboys, not for, I, I don't – I look at the Cowboys game against the Giants, and I'm not walking around saying I was super impressed by Dallas. You know, obviously, defensively, you were able to, to, to shut down that Giants offense. Granted, their best and biggest weapon, Odell Beckham Jr., was not in the lineup. But that Giants offense struggled. And I don't know if it was a byproduct of that Cowboys defense or a byproduct of the Giants offense just stinking it up. And then you got to look from the Cowboys offensive perspective. They weren't. They didn't blow your socks off. I mean, they didn't. They only scored 19 points. And, you know, in the process of scoring 19 points, you know, you get one touchdown, and the rest are damn Bailey field goals. One, two, three, four. Four Bailey field goals and one touchdown. So the Cowboys weren't super impressive offensively. And as a whole, they weren't super impressive. But they get the victory. And in the end, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. But they weren't super impressive in the Giants. I mean, again, and, and let, me, let, let me say this. 
and it's almost a disclaimer in a lot of ways. And I say this every time when I talk about the National Football League, and I'll say it this time. The National Football League and the NFL obviously is a week-to-week league. But what I say about that is, you know, in saying that, one week, you know, you could look great, could look like a world beater, and do some amazing things. The next week, you could stink to join up. So as good as you looked that one week, you could look equally bad the following. And, and so I, I say all that to say this, to say this. Anything, it, it, it's too early for us to make some judgments. And if we are making judgments, I, I think they're kind of snap judgments. Here's what I will say. I, I think it's safe to say the New York Jets will struggle this year. I think it's safe to say the Cleveland Browns might struggle this year. I think it's safe to say the Chicago Bears, even though they played well against the Falcons, probably will struggle this year. I think it's. I think we can safely say that. I think it's safe to say, as long as Andrew Luck is out of the lineup, the Colts will struggle. And even if Luck gets back into the lineup, the Colts probably will continue to struggle because their defense stinks. So with luck, without luck, it's probably going to be a struggle. Hey, Jared Goff dropped 300 on you. He dropped 300 on you. And your defense, I mean, the, the Rams dropped 46, a 46, a 40 spot, a 40 burger on you. The Rams dropped a 40 burger on you. And again, one of those was a pick six. You know, two of those were pick six. So, you know, obviously 14 of those points came from the defensive side of the ball, but still, they still dropped 32 points on you. Actually, and then a safety. So they dropped 30 points on you. They dropped 30 points on you. And that was an offense that struggled last year and that was a quarterback in golf, granted, second-year quarterback. Last year he was a rookie. Obviously, he's he, he, second year, so maybe he's made that adjustment. Maybe he's progressing, and maybe he's going to be the quarterback that you thought he would be when you drafted him number one overall in 2016. Maybe. So the Colts, without Andrew Luck, probably with Andrew Luck, will struggle. And the San Francisco 49ers is another team that probably will struggle. I think we could say that. And again, I don't like to jump to conclusions after week one in the National Football League because I know how bipolar the NFL can be. I, I know there can be some extreme highs with some teams, and I know teams, even though they have those extreme, extreme highs during the year, could even have those extreme lows during the year. So I, I, you know, you see it, you see it. So, I mean, we look at the Green Bay Packers last year, a team that have moments during their year, their season, where you were like, this team probably won't make the playoffs. 
this team probably won't make the playoffs. And, you know, ultimately, Green Bay was able to turn it around and were able to get it done down the stretch last season and ultimately were able to get to the playoffs and ultimately able to get to the NFC Championship game. But Green Bay at one point, you know, you had a team that lost four in a row and and five out of six. So at that point in October, you were saying this might be a wrap for Green Bay. And at that point, they were one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, four, five, six. They were four and six. And after dropping a game to the Redskins on Sunday night football, they ran the table, won six games, and were able to get into the playoffs and ultimately were able to get to the NFC Championship game before they ran into the Atlanta Falcons, who beat them down in the title game. And and so I, I say all that to say, in the NFL, it is a marathon. I know it's 16 games, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. So don't, I say all this, they don't make snap judgments because anything can happen in the National Football League in one week. You know, we could say the team is the greatest thing ever, and then the next week we can say that team is the worst thing ever. So don't get caught up in the first week of the National Football League because there's a lot more to come and there's a lot more for us to see and to figure out and determine who is and who will be holding that trophy when this thing is all said and done. And so we'll see what happens. But I know I'm going to enjoy the ride. I know you're going to enjoy the ride, and I can't wait. You know, I'm just going to enjoy it. Let's just not wait. I just, I'm just going to enjoy it. But anyway, let's go now to boxing. And, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, earlier in this summer, you know, a lot of us were, were, were excited happy, overjoyed, and really, really interested in Mayweather-McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, excuse me, Conor McGregor. And obviously, that was a spectacle. Obviously, that was a show. That was, a more, that was more show than anything. Because you, you knew the outcome. You knew a guy like Conor McGregor, who was a novice when it comes to boxing a guy who has never laced up the boxing gloves in or on a professional level. And so at the time, you know, we kind of knew what the outcome was going to be, but I think a lot of us was inter- a lot of us were interested in the whole thing and the whole situation because because we thought, hey, this is interesting. A guy who's making his pro debut against a guy who arguably could be the greatest fighter of all time in Floyd Mayweather Jr. Not saying he is, but an argument can be made. Anyway, 
But us real boxing fans, and and I say us, and I'm including myself, who love the sport of boxing, who know the sport of boxing, and who enjoy the sport of boxing, know and knew what fight was the real fight. Hey, that was a spectacle, Mayweather McGregor, and I was I was into it because it was interesting, it was compelling, but I knew what the real fight was. I knew what the real thing was, what the real deal was, and I knew the fight that I wanted to see. And that was Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. Canelo against Triple G. And they weighed in today, both weighed in at 160, the middleweight limit. So their weight is made, that part is taken care of, and now it's time to fight. And you got a guy in Gennady Golovkin who knocks people out. You got a guy in Gennady Golovkin who has hands of steel. You got a guy in Triple G who has never lost before, 37-0. A guy who was knocking guys out until he fought Danny Jacobs uh, recently, and, and that fight went to decision. And there were some who felt that Danny Jacobs won that particular fight. It was a close fight, and I think it was a fight that probably could have went either way. And I, and I think you could make compelling arguments either way. But then after that fight, a lot of people started to say and started to think to themselves, do we see some slippage with Canelo? Not Canelo, with uh, Triple G? Is, is this guy now beatable? And you start to hear a lot of guys say, you know what? Canelo can beat this boy. Canelo can win this fight. You, you, you started to hear that. You start to hear that noise. And that noise has been growing, and it's been growing, and it's pretty loud. A lot of people believe that Canelo Alvarez can win this fight. A lot of people believe that Canelo Alvarez will win this fight. Not only can he, but he will. And it's a compelling fight. It's a guy in Canelo Alvarez with Mayweather now gone and retired. I don't think Mayweather comes back, but we don't know. Hey, we don't know what he is or, or what he does with his financial situation. Does owe some tax money. Who knows if he'll, he, he may run into that again. But at the same time, I hope Mayweather doesn't come back. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's, he's obviously not who he was. And I, I don't want to see him come back. Because at the end of the day, now you, you, you start testing faith. And, in, and boxing... It's not a very forgiving sport, and and that, it's not forgiving at all. And, and so, you could get old overnight. You could wake up great, feeling good, and then step in that ring and get old overnight. So who wins this fight? It's very hard to bet against Triple J. And I think Canelo has improved. I think Canelo has become a better fight fighter. Excuse me. And I think Canelo might be the better boxer and might have more skills. But Kanani Golovkin has just tremendous power. And this is a guy who's undefeated. This is a guy who's who's never, you know, been on the canvas. This dude gets it done. He's big time. And so who wins this fight? I think if it goes to decision, I think you have to favor Canelo, and I'll say this, and I'm not saying no fixes in or anything like that, but Canelo Alvarez 
has, you know, got some, had some interesting scorecards over the years. You know, Cotto fight, there were some crazy scorecards there. Um, you know, uh, the Mayweather fight, even though he lost, you know, one judge had it 114-114, and that fight wasn't even close. You know, the Lara fight, Arizlandi Lara, a lot of people believe, there's not, I don't say a lot of people, but there's some people who believe that Lara won that fight. So I do believe if it goes to the judges and it's close, I think Canelo's going to get the nod because Canelo, for whatever reason, the judges really like Canelo Alvarez. Again, I'm not saying no fixes in. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not insinuating any of that. I'm just saying this guy gets the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the scorecards. Now, we'll see what happens. But this is the fight. You know, Mayweather and McGregor, fun, you know, interesting. You know, their press throw was amazing. You know, I was there in Brooklyn for that, uh, you know, for that leg of the press tour and, and, and that stop. And, you know, it was, it was, it was funny. It was, it was funny. It was two guys trying to sell a fight and, and two guys doing whatever they can to, to get, get you interested. And obviously at this point, it, you know, we don't have the official numbers, but it seems like there's a large portion of you who were who are interested in that fight. Hey, the web, my website, you know, the website, goforcansports.com. You know, that content, Mayweather-McGregor content, got a lot of hit. Anything related to it, whether it was other fighters talking about Mayweather-McGregor or, or whether it was Mayweather-McGregor talking about some things, that fight. Got a lot of people talking, and a lot of people are interested. A lot of people were interested in it. Now, I, you know, I mean, whatever. People care, and they can say it was a a sideshow, and they can say all these things. People care. People care. We'll see. I think a lot of people are going to care, and obviously, I think this is going to get some serious business. Obviously, it's not going to get $4 million, but it's probably going to get at least a million. You know, Chavez Canelo got a million. I Obviously, you know, Chavez has that next, you know, has the name, you know, Chavez Jr., you know, Julio Cesar Chavez, that's a name in, in, in boxing. So he had that name, and that helped sell that pay-per-view, and obviously Canelo, he's a cash cow in the sport of boxing. It's going to be fun. I can't see Triple G lose. Uh, and the only way I see Triple G losing, if it's a close decision, he's not going to get it if it's close. But we'll see what happens out there in Vegas at T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night. And so we're about to get out of here. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Hit us up on Twitter, at go for it Facebook. Um, also, uh, Instagram, go for it, can't, you know, I'm still messing around there. I don't like it, but you know, whatever. And also go to the website, go for it, For everybody here, go for it. Great to be back. See you later. Take care.